Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. It's, uh, man, beautiful weather here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, man, I'm so excited to get a chance to bring a message uh, this morning. Uh, we're still in the Easter season. I don't know if you know this, uh, but Easter is actually, um, it's like a longer season in the church than you would almost think. It's like uh, five, six weeks. I think we got about five, we're about five weeks in. We got two or three weeks to go. So we're going to read an Easter scripture, which I love the Easter story. Of course, I think we all do as we continue in that Easter season. We're reading Matthew 28, 1 through 10. This is Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Now, I'm going to be uh, preaching and reading from the uh, New International Version, so I invite you to follow along with me. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and then sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men, which means they passed out. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Oh, hey, it's, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Growing up, I had a wonderful, wonderful mother. I still have a wonderful mother. And she used to read me books. She was all about reading me books as I was a young child. And it was something that carried over to us. Uh, my wife, Melody's mom, read books to her. And, and we, were, we, were, we were kids that grew up getting books read to us. It just helps your kids out tremendously. Reading books to your kids at an early age is just absolutely huge. So I want to hear from you really quick. Your favorite children's books all right so we did this last week we got a little interactive today as well so i want you to pull out your phones you can write it in the chat and then the guys that are monitoring the chat are going to be able what's your favorite children's book all right so they're going to be uh, they're going to be telling me what those are and then uh, you can also text me directly if you got my phone number you're welcome to do that and we'll start getting those uh favorite children's books coming in i'm going to give you just a minute i'm gonna sip my coffee again let the uh, time delay kick in your favorite children's books. All right, bring it on. This is the, the, those of you that are not participating. This is your favorite time because you just sit here watching me drink coffee. Where the wild things are. Where the wild things are. Green eggs and ham. Good night, moon. <laughs> the gospel according to saint mark i'm sure that was your favorite children's book that's fantastic all right come on bring them on bring them on what else you got what else? that was great i love this congregation man it's so silly 
Good Night Moon. Good Night Moon, man, yeah, absolutely. I always thought that was a strangely illustrated book. Anybody else? Good Night Moon, strangely illustrated. I don't know, it's just a thing. Any other ones we got? So many great stories, so many great stories of when, when we're, from when we were growing up and um, great children's books. Um, we, got, we got one more coming out. It's the Book with No Pictures. I don't know that one. I never, I never heard oh, of that. that's a good one. The Book with No Pictures? Oh, is that right? This is not our child. So, so my son has this one where it's like red shirt, green shirt, blue pants. Oops. It's fantastic. There's another one that, that was like an art book that talked about mistakes, that, that mistakes aren't mistakes, that mistakes can become beautiful things. And it's just, just really, really cool book. But one of the books that I'm going to highlight is this book right here. I'm receiving no promotional credit for this whatsoever. I don't I don't know personally, no uh, P.D. Eastman. It looks like a Dr. Seuss-ish kind of book, but it's actually uh, it's actually not. This is just a beginner beginner book. Are You My Mother? Are You My Mother? Perfect uh, story for Mother's Day that we would read, Are You My Mother? I'm not going to read you the book. Don't worry. Uh, because this this book is um, it's a little sad, to be honest with you. It's a little rough, but but more on that later. So we're going we're gonna to come back to this in just a few minutes. I've been so blessed to have three mothers in my life, realizing now, I guess later in life, that that was probably out of necessity uh, that I had three mothers. I guess and that's probably what I needed. But my mother, Nancy, I love my mom, Nancy. She only missed one game of baseball that I played in 15 seasons. She was at every single one. My mom was always there for me. I love you, mom. I love you, Nancy. She's a great grandmother. She's all of those things. And then my wife's mom, Melody, so we met 30 years ago. So she's been in my life as a mother for 30 years. Melody's mom, Karen, she is an amazing cook. She has energy beyond everybody else around us. She is a force to be reckoned with. Karen, I love you. And then Gina, who's been in my life for 20-something years now. She's absolutely amazing. She married my father, and she is just such a beautiful and wonderful part of our lives. She helps us out so much with our kids as they live in Charlotte. Gina, I love you. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. They're so special. They're all so different. Apparently, God thought I needed several mothering figures, not just one, but several. Everybody say, aw. All right, enough mushy. Because the truth is, if you came here to hear a cute, sweet Mother's Day sermon, you may want to change the channel because this is the reality. For many, Mother's Day is not a great day. Some avoid church altogether because churches have this affinity with Mother's Day and they sort of lift it up and they make it this huge deal, but some lost children. Some have never been able to have children and feel like Mother's Day is a day that's stolen from them. Some have had moms that weren't great or even very present at all. Some lost their moms early on, lost them even before they knew them. And some have moms who are still alive but have long since lost them for any number of reasons. It's just a day that can evoke such deep and difficult emotions. So for those of you today who celebrate, blessings on your celebration. And for those of you who grieve today, may you find comfort in your hurt. Full stop. Now, I hear this scripture and it comes to us this Mother's Day. 
with these amazing women. And so let's spend some time digging into it. First of all, you got to remember, and this is one of the things I always try to do is give you a little bit of historical context. You have to remember and think about how women were viewed generally during this time period. They were, they were second class. They were, they were really outsiders. They were lesser than. They were, they were not in the big decisions. They were uncountable. Like you remember the whole uh, feeding of the 5,000? There were women and children there. They, they didn't even count because they were just like, well, they're just not you know, as important as men. And yet this scripture highlights them highlights them. So I want to point a few things out. There's three things that really stand out to me with these incredible women at the empty tomb. First is strength. Everybody say strength. In this scripture, it says that there was a violent earthquake as the angel is arriving. And these big, I'm assuming big burly guards that are there because this is like a very famous figure. This is a big deal who has been crucified and is now put into this tomb, right? And these big burly, I'm guessing guards that have, you know, been working with the Romans for some, quite some time, or they have some sort of authority behind. They probably have weapons with them. A fantastic, terrible earthquake happens, so much so that they started shaking. It says they shook, and then they became like dead men, which means that, means that they basically went, and hit the ground. But these women, but these women didn't. These women show an incredible strength as they stood tall and spoke to an angel of God. Everybody say strength, strength. The second is servant hearts. Everybody say servant hearts, servant hearts. They come to take care of Jesus. They come to give of themselves. They come to be there for the one that had always been there for them. They come to care for and serve the one who ultimately served them and made them feel like they were important, like they were worthy of being counted, and not just counted, but being a part of the ministry. Servant hearts. And the third, mothers. Everybody say mothers. Mothers. But not in the sense that you think. Because here in Matthew 28, if you remember one of my favorite scriptures in Matthew 28 is actually at the very end of Matthew 28, when Jesus took the 11 disciples up on the top of the mountain. But that happens after this. These actually were the first to receive the gospel. They were given the message, he is not here, he has risen, just as he said that he would. That's the good news, and they are the first to get this message. For the rest of creation, these women gave birth to the gospel. They became mothers of the gospel for the rest of creation. So I've been thinking about this book. <laughs> Basically, it goes like this. There's a mother, bird, the egg jumps around. All of a sudden, the baby's going to be here soon. I better go and get something to eat. All right, can we just pause right there? That is a messed up thing to leave your about-to-be-born child in the nest and roll out. Okay, not, not the greatest bird mom moment, right? Out comes baby bird. Baby bird looks around, doesn't see anyone. He looks up, he does, looks down, he doesn't see. So away he went. He falls out of the nest. Another terrible moment in the story of Are You My Mother? And he starts walking along. His mom is behind a rock and doesn't see little baby bird. Baby bird goes along and finds a kitten, which, thank goodness, the kitten is not hungry because this could have gone really bad. And he's like, hey, are you my mother? The cat's like, 
Nah. And goes to a chicken. Are you my mother? Nah. Goes to a dog. Are you my mother? Nah. Goes to a cow. Are you my mother? Nah. He keeps going along. Finds an old car. Are you my mother? Nah. He calls out to a boat. Are you my mother? Nah. Then he finds his digging machine. And I don't know how this ends up happening. But by some great miracle, the digging machine picks up the bird and somehow gently puts it back into its nest in the tree. It's an insane story. That is this book, Are You My Mother? You should probably read this to your children, but maybe you should probably not. This little bird is so lost, so lost. I can't get over how messed up this story is, that this newborn baby bird is put in such a terrible, terrible situation. And then you realize that this book is an absolute realistic picture about how so many people have to live. That's right. They come to life into this world and feel abandoned. They don't know where to go and find the providence, the abundance, the sustenance for a little bit of life. And unlike so many who are lost, this bird actually takes some initiative and goes looking, whereas most don't. It's an absolute parallel with us. It's an absolute picture of the way that we are in this world. So many feeling lost. And I'm not talking about just like the lost, like we talk about the lost in church, or we go find the lost and we go out to seek the lost. That's great, but that's not even what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about even believers, people that have been a part of the church for years who feel lost in life right now. So many are searching for something more, something more meaningful, something better, something deeper. Many are searching but many and even more are not searching at all and many don't even realize that they're lost. It's a sad, rough, honestly, pretty messed up story and it's just as messed up here as it is here. Somebody say amen. amen. But then, but then, there's the church. Those who have been given this great news those who have been given this great message, those who didn't faint during the earthquake, those who were courageous enough to look into the empty tomb, those who now give birth to the gospel that's been given to them. Remember the silly book, Are You My Mother? You know what the answer is? See, those who know the answers are the ones who are called to share. Those who have the gifts get to share the gospel. And think about this. This may be one of the coolest things. Somebody brought you here to this place. Somebody brought you here to this place. Better yet, the Holy Spirit moved in somebody's life somewhere along the way to get you to this point who gave birth to faith in you. Think about this too. You come from a 2,000 year line of faith being passed down. Did you know that? Think about this. Do you know where your faith life began? Right here in Matthew 28. That's where your faith life started with those women. It wasn't just some random account that got it from there to here. There was a line that God set up for 2,000 years to bring you from that moment to this moment of faith. Your generation after generation of people that gave birth to faith in you from Matthew 28 when the message was first heard, to right now, today in you. That's great news. It's a miracle. Somebody say amen. amen. I want you to hear this beautiful part of a letter in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 
3 through 7. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives also in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands for the Spirit God gave us gave us, excuse me, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. See, your faith was given to you, built in you, passed on to you, and so therefore your calling now is to pass along the faith in others Don't you wonder who will be affected by your fanning the flames of faith? Because remember, that 2,000 years has come to you. And guess what your job now is? Is to send it 2,000 years beyond this moment. That the gospel will continue to come to life in others 100 years from now, 500 years from this moment, 1,000 years from now. Cool, Pastor. Such a neat concept of logic and science as he sips his coffee. (laughs) But there's got to be more, right? There absolutely is. And here's maybe the best part of it all. Do you remember where the angel said that Jesus would be? Do you remember where the angel said to tell the rest of the crew where Jesus would meet them? As a matter of fact, In the midst of going to do the very thing they're told, Jesus appears, greetings! And they clasp his feet and they start to worship him. And he says the same message again. It's so significant that scripture tells us this detail twice in a very, very short period of time. This incredibly important detail twice. Jesus wasn't going to meet them in Jerusalem. It doesn't make sense really, but because Jerusalem was so incredibly populated, it would have been a great place for him to, to have that meeting and to have everything come together. It would be so awesome. I'm alive, everybody. Y'all thought you had me in an empty tomb. I'm alive. Check it out. Gather around. No, Jesus was not meeting them in Jerusalem. And he wasn't meeting them in a little cute nearby town for an intimate meal and a gathering of the disciples. (laughs) He was meeting them in Galilee. And Galilee and Jerusalem were really far apart in a lot of ways. 126 kilometers to be exact. You know how many miles that is? 78 miles. People cannot travel in this time 78 miles very quickly. There was a time that was going to take to get from Jerusalem to Galilee because, well, why Galilee then? Because Jerusalem would have been so much better, right? So much higher, highly more populated, and, and, and everybody could have been there. They could have seen the great big show, Jesus Alive. That would have, that would have been great. Or, or even some cute little nearby town. Let's, let's, let's get out of Jerusalem. Let's just go a couple miles down the street and hang out in a little house there. No. Jesus wants to meet them in Galilee because that's where everyday life was. 
That was the place where they went back to their everyday lives. And that's where Jesus meets us, church. It's not necessarily in some great grand place. It's in everyday life. That's where the gospel is born day after day. And that's where Jesus calls us to give birth to the gospel as well. Not necessarily on some great mountaintop or even in some really su super dark valley, but, but, at, but at work and at school and at the grocery store and the parking lot. And the gospel could be born anywhere. I've got some great news for you, church. The new church ain't going to be in a building. It's absolutely not. It's going to be in the office, in the home, at the hair salon, at the golf course, at the airport, at the bar, on the sidewalk, in the baseball field. That's everyday life. That's where those places are going to be, the places where we get to see the gospel come to life in new ways than it ever has before. So maybe stop looking for your mother of faith in the traditional places if you're seeking that out. And stop letting the traditional places be the only place that we think that gospel can come forth. That's not the case. Maybe that little bird had it right. Maybe that little bird knew exactly what was going on. And maybe all of those other animals and cars and, and boats had it wrong. They missed an opportunity to give birth to the gospel in that moment, in that place. They missed an opportunity to show that little bird that even though these are very different creatures, very, very different people can still share life of faith together to help us see that opposite political sides, opposite any sides can find unity in the gospel and give birth to that in everyday life. Because here's the thing, those that need to hear the gospel the most are never gonna walk into these doors. Those that need to hear the gospel the most are not gonna come to Sunday school or the Bible study, or choir. Those who need to hear the gospel at most aren't even gonna watch this worship video online. They're waiting to hear from you in everyday life. They're waiting to walk with you from the bar, on the sidewalk, on the golf course, at school, at the grocery, and in the parking lot. They're waiting for you asking the question, are you my mother? To bring forth faith and life and gospel in them. So as today we celebrate Mother's Day, by all means, thank a mom, even if it's not your own. And then see how you are gonna bring forth life of faith and gospel in others. So that you can answer this question, are you my mother? Way better than the dog and the chicken and the boat and the plane. Are you my mother? Can you bring gospel to life in me? Yes, yes and yes. This Mother's Day, we get to bring faith to everyday life. And not just Mother's Day, but every day. In everyday life, the lost birds are all over the place and they're asking the questions. So church, how, beloved church, will you answer the question? Good and gracious God, God of all life and creation, God who brought faith from Matthew 28 to today, we give you thanks. Thank you for putting people in a line of faith to bring it into our hearts 
in our minds. And may we be a part of the new church, one that's not tied to a building or land, but one that realizes that everyday life is where the gospel happens. Lord, give birth to us new life, new creation, so therefore that we may go to be able to answer the question and say yes, yes, yes. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children say amen. amen. I invite you to go ahead and get your uh, communion supplies ready and we'll share uh, communion in just a couple of minutes. Blessings and peace. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.